When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors— weird, but it works. Today's special is a bonus meal of our darkest fears. I'm your hostess, Enchantress, and with me are the incomparable Ashleys and Elvira. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. So this is my wildcard episode. This year worked out well. There were three extra weeks that we got to put in some wildcards, and we each got one, and I get October, so I'm excited about this one. This will be fun. Originally, Lindsay, you had suggested that when I do the wild card, I should focus on like haunted dolls because it's really creepy and everybody's like, ew, haunted dolls. Mm-hmm. But as I was doing the research, I I was struck with inspiration. Oh. That's what we'll call it, right? Okay. I thought it might be fun to give our listeners a peek into what truly scares us. So each of today's dishes will feature a fear of ours that I imagine many of you will also share. So pull up a seat and get spooked right along with us. Ooh. <laughs> Good ghost. I like it. Good ghost noise, Lindsay. Good ghost noise. One of the few things I excel at. You excel at a lot of things, Doc Lyon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lies! <laughs> Lucky Ashley is up first as we serve up a slice of cholrophobia or a fear of clowns. Oh, Fucking no. clowns. Son of a bitch! The idea of clowns and their association with laughter as well as darkness goes back to at least the Roman era, when the Archimimus would appear at funerals where he was permitted to imitate and mock the deceased, which really pissed off a lot of people because he was allowed to do it even in front of family members, a lot like court jesters would do with the royals. So it was like socially acceptable, and yet people didn't... It didn't sound like people liked it very much. So whatever, ancient Rome. Well, there are a lot of things that are socially acceptable today that I don't like, so... I, mean, I was gonna... Yeah, that's later. fair. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't changed over the years. Multiple Native American tribes also embraced clowns and clowning as an important part of their cultures, and they used them to inspire laughter, but also kind of provide, like, a perverse commentary on life. So they were usually, like, naughty, naughty clowns. Mm. Dirty, dirty. Historical plays and media have made light of clowns, but also portrayed them as sad, angry, or even dangerous. But many people trace the origin of the modern fear of clowns to John Wayne Gacy's Pogo the Clown. So if you're not familiar, where the hell have you been, for one? What rocks have you been living under? Here's a little bit of background, but it's very, very short. No, I lied. There's no background. (laughs) 
he was a serial killer who liked to put dead bodies in his crawl space. And he was also a clown. A creepy clown. Thank you for the background that I apparently failed to include. (laughs) The thing that is creepiest about him is that he violates the clown rule about the fact that you're not supposed to have any pointed edges because Mm -hmm. those are unpleasant to look at. That's why clown faces are like circles and ovals and Mm -hmm. things like that. He made everything pointy and that's how you know he's the bad guy. I think mm-hmm. that actually comes up later in my notes, but yeah, you're right. That's I was really creepy about him. Everything's really sharp. I read a book about John Wayne Gacy when I was 11. Oh no, <laughs> that's a way to start your teen years. Well, he, con- he continued to paint Coco the Clown while he was incarcerated, right? Uh-huh. I think so, yeah. And he like sold the paintings. Yep, and families of the victims hold held like burning parties where they'd burn all of his art. I don't recommend looking at those paintings at all. No. So in 1981, only a few years after Gacy was arrested, a series of evil phantom clown sightings occurred all across the country. Sightings appeared to almost, if not entirely, be made solely by children who would describe scary clowns driving around in vans that were filled with candy, or they'd be calling to them from the woods, which is super creepy. No. Ultimately, the authorities deemed this to just be runaway imagination and mass hysteria. But these these, uh, these sightings continued on and off all across the country for years to come. This fear of clowns wasn't helped by movies such as Poltergeist, which had the creepy clown toy that attacked the little, the little boy. Or Stephen King's It, which had Pennywise the clown terrorizing and killing children. And then most recently, there were the horrifying sightings in 2016. I don't know if you guys remember this. Uh, I, I do. I remember them, yep. <laughs> I do. Yep. So this was when people all over, the, all over the world, it wasn't just the United States, claimed that they had encounters ranging from clowns trying to lure children into the woods, robbing banks and businesses, strapping themselves with explosives. Yes, I found reports of them strapping themselves with explosives, trying to snatch small children, and chasing people with knives. So these were things that were really happening. Perhaps one of the most notorious instances was a supposed sighting that occurred on the campus of Penn State, like the main campus. Mm -hmm. I remember this because I was going to Penn State at the time. (laughs) Not the main campus, but it was big news at the branch ones. So in the fall of that year, there was this sighting, and it resulted in what's been described as a riot. So thousands of students took to the streets and the paths of University Park to hunt down the evil clowns. And it was utter madness and chaos. So that's a brief history of the fear of clowns. I couldn't find too many detailed stories of specific clown hauntings, but I did find that the Museum of the Occult has a couple of clown-themed items with associated hauntings. One is a piece from the the 1970s. It's a piece of wall art called Smiley the Clown, which is said to induce sleep paralysis as a dog-eyed humanoid watches or climbs into bed with the art owners. Oh, no, thank you. Mm Mm-mm. The other piece is a clown doll known as the Cracking Man. I thought when I saw this, because it kind of looks like a porcelain doll, that maybe it was because it was porcelain, so it had a cracked face. No, I was wrong. The doll is said to be inhabited by the spirit of a man with unnaturally twisted arms that crack and pop as he moves, like cracking knuckles and bones. Cool. I just threw up in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) But our real story today isn't about a single doll or clown painting. 
It's about a location that I know Ashley will never ever put on her bucket list of places to visit. Located in the small desert town of Tonopah, Nevada, the Clown Motel is entirely clown-themed, which has earned it the title of America's Scariest Motel, according to TonopahNevada.com. I am familiar with the Clown Hotel. I'm not surprised. I have been sent pictures of it because people think it is funny to send me pictures of clowns. That's not funny. That's mean. Well, people are assholes. (laughs) If you're not familiar with the Clown Motel, it boasts thousands of clown figurines and pieces of art from all around the world, with each of the 31 guest rooms having a unique theme and at least two to three unique works of clown-themed art. And I looked at some of these, and they're pretty freaking awful. I- I'm sure you've seen them too, Ashley, and you know, they're they're scary. Yep, that's the shit that's pulled directly from my nightmares. Yeah. That's if you manage to even make it past the lobby, though. The main room is decorated floor to ceiling in clowns. There are shelves and shelves of little figurines, clowns hanging from the ceiling, clown art on the wall and front desk, and a life-size clown sitting in a corner grinning at incoming customers. It's gross. If that isn't bad enough, the motel is reported to be haunted both by those buried in the old Tonopah Cemetery, which directly abuts the building, and by guests who never truly left. The history of the motel is pretty benign. It was opened in 1985 and has only changed hands two or three times, most recently in 2019. The history of the town is less so. According to findagrave.com, which I know Lindsay loves, I do. The old cemetery only functioned from 1901 to 1911. But in that time, more than 300 people were interred there. So that's a lot considering it's a small town. I think it only has like three or 4,000 people now. Yeah, that's a, that's a big uh, portion of the population. <laughs> yeah. This includes 30 victims of the mysterious 1901-1902 Tonopah Plague, which they still don't know what caused that, 14 victims of the 1911 Tonopah Belmont Mine Fire, and Nye County Sheriff Thomas Logan, who was killed in a Bordello shootout. So that's pretty badass. It's believed that many of the spirits of those laid to rest in the cemetery wander next door to the motel from time to time, so if you weren't already spooked by the clowns staring down at you, you now have ghosts. Some spooky encounters at the hotel include phantom laughs and voices, knocks on the door, people being poked or touched. I know that's Ashley's favorite. Fuck off with that. No one likes it! (laughs) Scratches on the wall, phantom apparitions, moving mannequins, and keys going missing. And the moving mannequins would... I would shit my pants. <laughs> um, let's just all agree that mannequins shouldn't move. Um, it's just necessary for my mental health. Mannequins yes, shouldn't yeah. move. I agree. The motel's website lists four specific rooms that might be of interest to those seeking a scare. Rooms 108, 111, 210, and 214. One story says that in room 108, a terminally ill elderly man experienced a health emergency and attempted to call the front desk for help multiple times, but no one ever picked up. Then he called his daughter, who dialed 911 for her father, but the man passed away on the way to the hospital. So when the front desk was questioned about why they didn't answer his call, they claimed that the phone never rang, and a review of the security footage proved just that. But I do have one question. Why is he calling the front desk for help? And then calling his daughter when all he has to do is dial 911. Like, why does he call her and then she dials 911? So I think that one's a little fishy. Yeah. 
A shadow appears in the early morning in room 111, which eventually drove one man to complete suicide. Something about room 210 seems to cure severe pains, which is a little weird, but cool. And room 214 has a transient spirit that likes to pop in to turn lights off and on and cause personal items to disappear. So just for funsies. Cool, so that one's a klepto. (laughs) (laughs) This is mine now. I licked it. This is shiny. I'ma keep it. (laughs) In a 2015 episode of Ghost Adventures, the team investigated the motel and cemetery. During the interview with the owners, they related a story of one patron who had a clown that would stand at the foot of his bed while he was sleeping. That's gross. And housekeeper Andrea Selig said that certain rooms make her very uncomfortable because doors will close on their own. And she also said that she witnessed a black apparition manifest out of a grave in the cemetery next door. No thanks. Okay, but maybe you should already just be uncomfortable because there are fucking clowns everywhere. Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> and not just like normal clowns either. It's not just your normal sweet clowns. It's creepy clowns. Like They make a point of being creepy. Point of clarification. Sweet clowns are not a thing. And I will die on this hill. <laughs> Well, you're not alone, apparently, because Zach Baggins, Baggins, however you say Bagans. it, is apparently really afraid of clowns, too. So he ultimately faced his own phobia of clowns as he investigated the motel by himself. He surprisingly didn't send Aaron in there. So while he was there, he experienced a door opening on its own in the motel lobby and a phantom voice in one of the rooms. But the creepiest moment in the episode occurred in the lobby. As Zach was standing next to the shelves of clowns and a few feet away from the life-size clown mannequin, he was asking the clowns to laugh. No, 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 no. Suddenly, the mannequin's hand dropped from its lap to its side and scared the living shit out of Zach. Like, it scared him. He jumped pretty good. It was funny. Oh, God. Review of the video showed that the hand was firmly placed on the mannequin's lap and Zach was nowhere near it. Like, I watched this video. That hand was pretty flat on there. So I, even as somebody thinking that you would, that that should maybe just fall off on its own, if you watch that video, it's on there pretty solidly. Billy went to check whether the mannequin might actually be a person in a costume. And for, like, for a hot minute, I thought that it might have been because the hands looked really realistic and they were going in with their cameras that have, like, the night vision and you could tell that they were scared about touching this thing because it looked like a person. (laughs) So after that, Zach just kind of noped the heck out of the lobby. So just, like, Ashley's ready to nope out of the story. Listen, I hid from a clown once. I used to work at a grocery store. Someone came in dressed as a clown, and I hid. And I'm not sorry. It's a serious fear. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on NativeAmericanRoots.net called Pueblo Clowns, an article on BBC.com called A Surprising History of the Creepy Clown, an ABC7Chicago.com article entitled Clowns in America, Timeline of Scares and Sightings, an article on CincinnatiRefined.com called 10 Creepy Short Stories Behind Haunted Artifacts at Covington's Paranormal Museum, a Paramuseum.com page on Smiley the Clown, a page on TonopahNevada.com about the Clown Motel, a FindAGrave.com page on the old Tonopah Cemetery, a Mysterious Universe article, and a HouseBeautiful.com article with some details of encounters, 
the Clown Motel website, of course, and Ghost Adventures Season 14, Episode 10, accessed on Amazon Prime. So that's the Clown Motel. I think it's time for a quick breather before we bite into our main course. We'll be right back. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code P-O-D. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. We're back. Tonight's main course includes some light, or should I say dark, entertainment. Lindsay's up next with a slice of pediophobia, or a fear of dolls, which is related to <laughs> pupophobia, or a fear of puppets. Yeah, puppets are also creepy. Yes. Agree. Marionettes uh, mm, and no. ventriloquist dolls. Blah, mm-mm. Yeah. Especially classic ones. Ventriloquist dummies scare the ever living shit out of me. Yeah, the only puppets I like are those cute little like finger puppets that they make for babies that are like animals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh-huh. I used to have one of those and it was a beaver and I loved it. Finger puppet. <laughs> it was super cute. I like when they're animals. Yeah, like if it's an animal or like a Muppet or something, I'm cool with that. But if it looks human in any way, shape, or form, fuck that shit. No thanks. Well, I hope you're ready for this story. Cool. Fuck me up. Punch me in the face! (laughs) (laughs) Dolls have been around since the dawn of time, but it's only been in the past few centuries that they have started to be more realistic and reflective of the human face. And therein lies the issue. According to SmithsonianMag.com, the problem is that dolls look human even though we know they're not, so this kind of confuses our minds as we attempt to read and interpret the faces. Essentially, the dolls send social signals that our minds just struggle to interpret because it's like one flat signal, right? Further complicating matters are dolls that blink, cry, eat, or perform other lifelike actions but still can't be perceived as fully human. Of course, literature and film, as usual, don't really help the problem. Historically, creepy dolls got their creepiness from the doll maker, who made them for some kind of nefarious purpose, kind of like um, Puppet Master in the 1980s. But more recently, though, media and film have portrayed dolls as sentient, dangerous, or even deadly characters in movies, and has more than occasionally highlighted haunted or possessed dolls. So we'll begin our main course with a showing of how haunted dolls are created and finish it out with one of the freakiest haunted doll stories out there. In Indonesia, a divination game that is somewhat reminiscent of 
the Ouija game is played, and it's known as Jelong Kung. Traditionally, twigs or branches in the shape of a cross are placed into a large kind of common household basket, vegetable basket, and then draped with a shirt and tied off with some kind of belt to give it something of a human form. Sometimes a coconut ladle head is added, arms may be included, and a face might even be painted on the ladle head. More often than not, though, if it includes a coconut ladle head, it's actually the Java version of the game known as Nini Tawang. But the two are fairly similar in execution, and they both, I think, stem from an old tradition out of China. Usually, a pen or pencil or some other writing utensil is then shoved into the reeds on the bottom of the basket, which just makes me laugh because that's basically the ass of the doll <laughs> that they're creating. Uh, contemporary players might use or make full-on dolls and attach the writing utensils to hands, legs, or somehow to the butt, which is still really funny. Especially when you get into the story of like how they're going to be writing, having that pencil sticking out of your butt is pretty humorous. One final addition to the doll is a key on a necklace that's draped around its neck. Now, players need paper, candles, and incense. Many people will essentially turn a piece of paper into a Ouija board by writing the alphabet, yes, no, hello, goodbye, all that stuff on it. But guess what acts as the planchette that channels the spirit? The doll. The doll. The doll. Mm-mm. So this has to be played with at least two people, but may include several more. And it's usually played in a location considered to be haunted, though players are warned to never do this in their own homes. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. One player stands on either side of the doll holding its arms. Then the players chant a mantra that invites spirits nearby to come and inhabit the form of the doll. And this will be chanted until the, do- the doll grows heavy, meaning it's now possessed by a spirit. Mm-mm. Much like playing with a Ouija board, though, this is an open invitation to any nearby spirit or demon, so the players have no control over what moves into the body of the doll. Great. This is how you get a Chucky. <laughs> Do you want to be murdered? Because this is how you get murdered. Congrats! <laughs> Supposedly, once the spirit shows up, it will introduce itself, and then players can ask it a series of questions, and these will be a lot like when you play Ouija, like, who has a crush on whom? Am I ever going to be rich? When will I die? What comes after death? That kind of stuff. How many people did you murder when you were alive? Yep. How did you (laughs) die? Although that does piss them off, as it does with Ouija. So the spirit animates the doll and uses it to answer the questions by writing answers on the paper provided. But players must maintain a hold on the arms the entire time and not set the doll down. And this is really, really important. Once players are done asking questions or feel it's kind of time to end the game, they have to say goodbye to the spirit and then wait for it to leave the doll. If the doll becomes lighter, then the spirit has left. If it becomes heavier, however, then you have a problem and there's really like no guidance on how to proceed like if it gets heavier you're pretty much fucked i don't you know light what you it do on then. fire <laughs> that's what i was gonna say set it on fire set it on fire you burn it so you bring kerosene and matches with you to play this Ouija game and as soon as it starts moving around and it gets heavy you douse it in kerosene you light it on fire and you run away <laughs> invoke your it. inner norwegian and just set it all on fire solved it you're welcome indonesia (laughs) some of the problems you might run into are that the spirit might refuse to leave so now you have a doll that's possessed forever fun fun 
Uh, the same problem could occur if you don't properly say goodbye, which could result in a very angry, trapped spirit. But most frighteningly, if you take your hands off the doll, you run the risk of the spirit essentially jumping ship from the doll to you, which could be made even worse if it's a demon rather than a spirit that's inhabiting the doll during your session. So there were actually quite a few stories online of people, like this is still a really big belief throughout Indonesia, and they play this game, and there are lots of stories of people who say, I, I, I got this spirit, I got that demon, go out and look them up, they're pretty fun. No, I'm most good. Of them aren't, most of them aren't too dark. <laughs> I'm good. So now let's take it a little darker and discuss one of the most famous haunted dolls that has a little bit of spirit and maybe a little bit of demon. But I have a warning in advance. Other podcasts have covered this story and have reported that listeners experience discomfort, illness, or even ill fortune after hearing the story. So I even have a weird personal experience while I was researching the story, and I'll share that at the end. Great. So you are forewarned. If you don't want to hear the story, you need to skip ahead. We mark the chapters, go to the next chapter. In 2015, a number of sensational stories were published after people started claiming that seeing pictures or videos of this particular doll had made them sick. But what was this doll and where did it come from? According to Jane Harris, a paranormal investigator and director of the Haunted Dolls organization in Shrewsbury, England, the doll had recently been sent to her by the previous owner. She said the owner had told her that she'd experienced repeated nightmares, which wouldn't stop even after enlisting the help of a priest. Following two visits from the priest to address the problem, the former owner not only continued to have the nightmares, but also began to experience a mysterious illness and hallucinations. She felt that this was all related to the presence of the doll, so she reached out to Jane and sent her the doll. The circa 1960s doll was a blue-eyed, cherub-faced little girl with a blonde bob haircut. I couldn't find any measurements of like the exact size of the doll, but based on the videos, I would say that the doll appears to be somewhere between two and three feet tall, kind of like a My Buddy, which was also a creepy doll. I imagine there are haunted My Buddies out there. My demon. (laughs) Although we don't know exactly when, at some point early on in her ownership of the doll, Jane had a psychic medium do a reading on the doll, and this medium said the name of the spirit residing within was Peggy. Mm. Peggy the doll. Subsequent psychic readings during those early days suggested that Peggy was, quote, a woman born in 1946 in London's Holland Park who died of a chest-related condition, possibly an asthma attack, and strongly dislikes clowns, according to an (laughs) April 2015 article in the Daily Mail. And I think Ashley can relate to that. (laughs) Stupid fucking clowns. (laughs) Even ghosts don't like clowns, apparently. Just because they're fucking evil. Okay, look, here's the thing. Even if it seems like a good clown, no one's that happy. (laughs) Fuck your smile. It's fake. (laughs) When you have to literally paint it on. Other psychics believe that Peggy might have actually been a Jewish victim of the Holocaust because they feel the spirit has an aversion to the crucifix and to the cross necklace that was originally hung around the doll's neck. Uh, An automatic writing session also brought up the words Star and David, though it was unclear whether this session occurred before or after someone said they felt that the doll was associated with the Holocaust. I do want to stop and take a moment and say that I personally kind of find this association a bit offensive because Mm -hmm. it almost feels like they're exploiting the suffering of millions of people. Like the original psychic, when they said that this was a spirit of a woman that was born in London in 1946, 
that would not make her a Holocaust victim. So I, I think that the newer take is kind of fishy. Mm-hmm. Plus, personally, as an atheist, uh, I would, if my spirit were stuck in a doll, I think I'd be a little pissed off if somebody put a cross necklace around me, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So just saying, doesn't have to be Jewish to hate the cross. And not all Jews hate the cross. They just don't believe in Jesus. It could be a fucking vampire or a demon. Both things that don't like crosses. Yep. Regardless, all psychics agree that Peggy was a restless spirit who had been persecuted in life. Attempting to learn more about the history of Peggy the doll and what may be residing within, Jane posted videos and pictures on Facebook and YouTube. And it was just kind of videos of her asking a series of questions to the doll while Peggy sat in a seance circle. And that's where the trouble really started to begin. Don't do that. People are so dumb. Like, hi, there's already, like, something creepy going on here, but I think I'm gonna make it worse by giving it an invitation to just do whatever it wants. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. Reports quickly poured in of people having strange reactions to viewing those images. Experiences ranged from frozen computer screens and a sense of dread to overwhelming anxiety, nausea, chest pains, migraines, extreme exhaustion, or worse. Jane said that one woman reached out to her stating that as she'd opened a picture of Peggy on her computer, the screen froze and then the room suddenly became very cold. She then began to feel as though someone was in the room with her and even claimed she could hear them moving around the space. Um, hell no. Jane claims that she resolved this issue by taking Peggy aside and asking her to stop bothering that woman. (laughs) Leave that lady alone. Come on, Peggy. That's totally uncool. Another woman claimed that she'd seen Peggy in a dream and the doll had warned about the woman's cat. When the woman woke the next morning, she found that her cat was rather sick and died later that day. Some viewers have reported feeling a presence in their homes and having light bulbs explode while they were talking about Peggy. Mm -mm. And others said they saw visions of mental institutions and abusive treatments. Great. Yep. That sounds fantastic. (laughs) Who doesn't love a good creepy vision of a mental institution and abusive treatments? Well, I kind of regularly imagine that's where I'm ending up anyway, so it's all good. That or burn at the stake. <laughs> <laughs> the smile. You missed the fun little dance that Ashley did. It was pretty delightful. One woman, Katrine Redick, even said that she'd had a heart attack after viewing the doll, but we'll come back to her in a little bit. The Haunted Dolls community had a woman named Lindy who was active within like the Facebook community. <laughs> what? Who the fuck names their kid Lindy? <laughs> Lindy's her name. Oh, I know. It's just a funny name. That's so weird. (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) Better than Aquafina. That's true. Of course, that's a that's an artist now, isn't it? No. Yeah. No, it was Aquanet. That's who it was. Yeah. Anyway, Lindy. Back to Lindy. Yes, Lindy. So she's really active in the Facebook community, and she was a person who'd been working on her mediumship skills. So she appears to have had made some kind of personal connection with Peggy that came with kind of both positive and negative experiences. 
At one point, she had been discussing Peggy in comments on the social media platform, and for some reason, only her comments were being duplicated over and over, and only on the posts specifically discussing Peggy. As this continued, she said that she started to become, like, very hot and flustered, and her dog began to freak out and start barking in her face. Mm-mm. And that's when she got the feeling that she wasn't alone in the room, much like Ashley's had before. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. It's Rasputin. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy is secretly Rasputin. <laughs> that SOB is in a doll calling himself Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> So she decided to apologize to Peggy because she felt like she must have done something to offend her. So she apologized for speaking about her and the problems ceased, seemed to stop. Shortly after this incident, I think it was really like a few days later, Lindy's daughter at that time had been dealing with some mental health issues, which Lindy felt that it had caused their relationship to grow really strained. And then a video of Peggy seemed to inspire Lindy to have an open and honest heart-to-heart conversation with her daughter. I don't know what it was about this video, but apparently after seeing it, she felt like she really needed to talk to her daughter. So she felt that somehow Peggy had helped her kind of find the words that she wanted to say. But what Lindy didn't know was that at the same time that she resolved to speak with her daughter, so she's sitting down having this conversation with her daughter, someone else was performing an automatic writing session with Peggy at that same time. And a picture of the doll was later posted on Facebook, and the doll's holding the words... Uh, from the automatic writing session, which are on a piece of paper. And written on this piece of paper were the words, Lindy, girl, explanation, draw a line. So the weird part is that Lindy says this picture was posted while she was having that talk with her daughter. That's creepy, and I don't like it. It is creepy. During another session with the doll, Jane, the owner of Haunted Dolls, said that she'd written pages of notes, like pages and pages of notes. She had a notebook. But when she went back for the book the next day, she couldn't find it. And so she's looking everywhere, looking everywhere she could think of in the basement where they had the session. She's asking her husband help, but couldn't find it anywhere. The notebook was later found hidden in the beams of the basement. And it was so high up that Jane's husband had to use a ladder to retrieve it. And she posted a picture of where it was at. That's freaky. Like way up there. And it's kind of like tucked behind stuff. Jane was not immune to the power of Peggy, though. She was attacked during one such session with Peggy and walked away with three long scratches on her back, which has led many people to believe that the doll might not only hold spirits, but also a demon, further supporting the notion that the doll dislikes Christianity. Like, duh. Yeah. What was your first clue? (laughs) I think the whole, like, the three scratches thing has to do with the, it's mocking the Holy Trinity. Yeah, yeah. So if you see three scratches, it's supposed to be a sign of a demon possession. Or a sign of someone who lost both their thumb and their pinky in it. (laughs) (laughs) And we go look into the history of the actual spirit. We're like, oh, damn, we were so wrong. (laughs) Peggy made a series of appearances on TV shows in 2016. During a discussion of the doll on... Oh, it's French, and I'm sorry if I really messed this up, France. De em- <laughs> no. Merci de- live. <laughs> I'm just going to go with De Emission du Antoine TV show. Flies kept landing on the host's face. So I'm guessing this is oh. Antoine is the host, but you see video of just flies landing on this guy's face and like crawling across his forehead. No. It's gross. No. 
then on an episode of Zach Baggins' Deadly Possessions, because yes, he has yet another TV show, Why wouldn't Zach he? experienced the same thing and much more. And this episode was so freaking extra. I both loved it and hated it. It was torture to watch it. <laughs> I bet it was. Aaron! Aaron! No, it's not that. It's, uh, you know how he has that museum out in Nevada? Yeah. In Las Vegas? Yeah. It's basically people come to his museum and they present their haunted objects. Oh. Lame. And it's just him sitting in a chair and it's so corny. But it was also really interesting. So Peggy's brought in with a black bag over her face by Jane, the owner at the time. She sits it down and... Zach starts experiencing this uncontrollable rage. He's he's questioning about the doll, and she's given this whole backstory. Um, Katrine Redick, the woman who'd experienced the heart attack, was brought in and essentially pressured into a seance involving the doll. Why? Yeah, it, it made me so mad. So, like, he she brings in the doll. Jane brings in the doll. She hears the history, or he hears the history about how the doll causes people to have heart attacks. And he goes, ooh, can we pull the bag off of the doll? Can we see the doll? Can we show the... And then he gives this really corny warning about how you know the risks involved if you view this doll. And as they go to take the bag off the doll, the camera's back in the the, cam- the room that's like the hub, mm-hmm. watching all the screens. All of them go black in that main room. So they can't see the doll anymore. But we eventually see the doll anyway. Then he brings in Katrine Redick. He's talking to her. She's like, no, I never want to see this doll again. And he's like, okay, but then let's call you into the seance that you don't know the doll's going to be in there. She, Poor Katrina, or Katrine, walks in, and you can just instantly see that she's stressed out. She's in mm-hmm. tears. She's freaking out. Cool. PTSD trigger. Yes. She looked like, oh, she looked like she was going to cry. Thanks, Zach. Right? It was so mean. Fucking dick. So they sit her down and they do this whole seance. And the whole time they're like, ooh, candles are flickering. So ominous. They're talking about how candles are flickering on one side of the room and not the other. But if you actually watch the video, candles are flickering everywhere. Way to go, Zach. You're only looking in one direction. Maybe try turning your head, Batman. I don't know. (laughs) I am the knight. (laughs) And then they start hearing a typewriter typing or sound like a clicking sound sounds like a typewriter. And then they decide that they're going to all leave the room and leave Katrine in the room alone with Peggy. Oh my God. Like, it's so mean. And he's like, oh, we're going to help her resolve her fears. Pretty sure you're not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. You don't know what you're doing. Please stop. It was all so dramatic and I felt really bad for Katrine. But... I vote we make him live in the clown motel forever. Yeah. Spend a month in there, you asshat. In the lobby with the mannequin. You have to have, like, you have to sleep next to the mannequin. We're we're gonna make (laughs) you spoon it every night. (laughs) You're gonna be the little spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna help you get over your fears. So it wasn't long after that that Zach acquired the doll for his museum in Vegas, of course. So now if you want to see Peggy in person, you can, but she sits behind a sheet of glass and you have to sign a waiver first. She has her own room complete with a perpetually running spirit box. Do you guys know what a spirit box is? Yep. I think so, but you might want to refresh me just in case. 
So if you've never heard of a spirit box, it's essentially a radio that shifts through channels so quickly that you're not supposed to be able to make out like a single voice or any coherent words. And it's supposed to be like 15,000 shifts a second or something like that, or 1,500 shifts a second, or I don't know, a minute. It's really fast. But if you do hear understandable words, coherent words, then the idea is that it could have come from a spirit. Yeah. So she has one of these in her room. And I have one final encounter with Peggy to share with you guys. And this was written by Dee Dee Mason in a 2020 article of These Curious Times. So she went to see Peggy. And she says that upon entering the room, she said, Hi, Peggy. And the spirit box responded, Hi, Dee. Already weird. Mm -mm. Dee said she was surprised because she hadn't said her name upon entering the room. But she had been to visit Peggy before, so potentially Peggy knew who she was. But she was wearing a big-ass name tag. (laughs) (laughs) Dee then asked whether Peggy remembered how Dee had been suffering from a three-day migraine. But when she looked at a picture of Peggy, the migraine went away. To which the spirit box replied, I remember. Creepy. Dee said, Well, Peg, I'm here today to say thank you for doing that for me, even though we had not met and hadn't become friends yet. And the box replied, you're welcome. Oh, Yeah, D- Peggy sounds pretty nice here. I was actually expecting it to be like, what makes you think we're friends? <laughs> <laughs> and then she died. And- but no. <laughs> no, apparently Dee and Peggy are pretty chummy. As Dee left the room, she said, bye, Peggy, sweetie. And the box returned with, bye, bye, Dee. See you tomorrow. Uh-uh, no. Not only was it weird to have such a detailed exchange with the spirit box, because like I said, you really aren't supposed to hear any words from this. It's not supposed to make sense at all. But Dee did intend to return the following day, but claimed she hadn't told anyone at that point in time. So there was no way anybody there should have known that she was going to be back the next day. I don't like it. So now you get to hear my own personal experience. Actually, two of them. It's a little funny. Oh, God. So as I was reading about the strange things that people claimed they'd experienced after viewing Peggy, I started to hear this really weird electronic signal coming from the other side of the room. And when I went to look for it, I found one of my son's walkie-talkies. It had been turned on and it was sitting there making some kind of like a Morse code sound. It was really weird. It was loud, scratchy. But the weirdest part that when I was writing the story, my kids hadn't been home for like three days. And the walkie-talkie had been sitting in that room the whole time and hadn't made a single sound until I did this story. I don't like it. Which was weird. Then later on, as I was trying to write down notes, uh, I think it was when I... Yep, I I had written notes after viewing some videos of Peggy. And then I put down my notebook. Well, when I went back to find my notebook later, it was gone. It should have been on top of my computer... But I couldn't find it. And it took me like 20 minutes to find it buried under another stack of books. I thought you were going to say it was in the rafters. Uh, No, no, no. It was buried (laughs) under a stack of my kids' math books. So those are my two weird experiences with Peggy following this story. (laughs) I don't know if it was Peggy or just weird coincidence, but I thought I'd share them. So hopefully you two don't have any creepy experiences after this. Especially after we share some pictures and... We'll, we'll share pictures of her on social media. Oh, good. I have to look at them. Yay. She's not a scary looking doll. Doesn't matter. <laughs> looking at her is bad luck. So it doesn't <laughs> even matter. 
Should probably put up one of those like warning things on the <laughs> post. You're probably going to make me post pictures of the clown motel too, aren't you? Do you want me to post those? Mm, stupid clowns. I hate clowns. Fucking clowns. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Two of us are done, so the only person that's left is you. Uh- yep. <laughs> Ingredients for this dish were sourced from an article on smithsonianmag.com called The History of Creepy Dolls, an article on The Ghost in My Machine entitled The Most Dangerous Games, Jelong Kung, an article on Mysterious Universe entitled The Creepy Indonesian Game of Possessed Dolls, an article in The Mirror titled Possessed Doll Causes People Who Look at It to Suffer Chest Pains, Nausea, and Crippling Headaches, Mirror, that's way too long, shorten it up, please. Yeah. You just used up all your characters on Twitter. On just the headline. Wait, another one. Here's a good one. A Daily Mail article titled, Watch at Your Own Risk. Video of haunted doll causes 80 viewers to reportedly suffer chest pains, nausea, and crippling headaches. Also, too long, guys. You suck at this. (laughs) An article on redbookmag.com titled, Warning, just looking at this haunted doll reportedly triggers sickness. Or not. A page about Peggy on hgparanormal.com and an article on These Curious Times titled A Personal Encounter with Peggy the Haunted Doll. So hopefully y'all don't have nightmares after that. Don't like it. We're going to take one more quick break. We'll be right back with dessert. We're back. Are you ready for one hauntingly delicious dessert? Yes. I don't know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty full from all that demonic doll possession, so... (laughs) And creepy clowns. And creepy clowns. Oh, so this 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 beautiful meal I have set up today is a series of nightmares to suit almost to anybody. And our final dish of the night is one that is close to my heart or my nightmares. It's a piece of spectrophobia or the fear of mirrors, specifically the fear of images reflected in them. So yeah, I'm afraid of mirrors, which is I- saying something because I really enjoy looking at my own face. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Okay. <laughs> You're so vain. I mean, it's okay to like what you see. I like I'm the prettiest <laughs> thing out there. I just enjoy what I see. Everyone now knows that Emily sits around asking her mirror who's the fairest in the land. She just talks into wading pools. Like Narcissus. Yep. And then I turn into a flower. <laughs> Throughout history, mirrors have been associated with the soul, divination, portals, luck, religion, and death. After someone passes, people have covered mirrors with cloths as a sign of respect, a method of mourning, basically so people don't have to see their own sad reflections, and a way to prevent departing souls from becoming trapped. A broken mirror is thought to bring seven years bad luck to the one who broke it, and mirrors, especially antique ones, are even thought to show the reflection of what we might not be able to see with our own eyes. Spirits. This might be because of how mirrors are made. So if you don't know anything, I'm going to give you a brief rundown of how mirrors are actually made. First, the back of the mirror is made of a layer of silver or aluminum, Mm -hmm. which may scratch or age over time. Additionally, Glass is what's known as an amorphous solid, meaning it's somewhere between the states of liquid and solid. So over time, glass moves and warps. 
If you've ever looked at an old house, you notice that the glass at the bottom of the window panes is thicker than the glass at the top, and it's warped. So antique mirrors will display greater warping, thus warping the images they reflect. So it messes with your head. Hmm. But today's story isn't about just any old antique mirror. It's about a dark scrying mirror. These mirrors are less reflective and used solely for the purpose of scrying, which is basically kind of a form of fortune telling, much like using crystal balls or tarot cards. Mm -hmm. I can see your future. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) I can see your future. It's dark. Oh, wait, that's the mirror. It's cloudy with a chance of meatballs. (laughs) I can see your future. It's a beautiful woman. Oh, wait, that's Emily's reflection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I thank you. Uh, If I do say so myself. (laughs) The specific mirror for tonight's story is known as the Dark Mirror, and it is found in the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult. In an article written by Greg Newkirk, one of the owners and founders of the museum, he tells the tale of how the mirror came to the museum and the chaos that followed. The mirror was given to Greg and his wife Dana in 2015 by a woman who claimed that her mother had acquired acquired, acquired the scrying mirror at a psychic expo event. After taking it home, her mother began to practice scrying with the mirror. But in doing so, she began to withdraw from her daughter, and their conversations were either vacant or really dark. Hmm. So the more that she's practicing with this, the more that she's really kind of pulling away and becoming less like herself. And the daughter worried that her mother was obsessed with the mirror, and when she went to her mother's home and demanded to see the mirror, her mother broke down into tears, just crying that this thing was evil. That's always great. Right? (laughs) I'm playing with it, but it's evil. They need dare for scrying mirrors. Just say no to scrying mirrors. (laughs) There's no real good acronym for that. (laughs) (laughs) So the, the, the mom's freaking out. It's evil. The daughter's like, okay, it's time to get rid of this thing. So she takes the mirror from her mom. She wraps it in a black cloth and she donated it to the traveling museum. So the museum took it in and they pretty quickly put it on display. Mistake number one. I mean, it's the Paramuseum, so it's kind of what they do, right? Yeah, I suppose. And it didn't take long for strange reports to start pouring in of strange things happening when people peered into the mirror. Are we surprised? No. Nah. Hell no. One of the things that people really enjoy about the Traveling Museum is that they're permitted or even encouraged to pick up items and experience the haunt for themselves. Can I just say no thank you? No thank you. I would just like to take a page from the movie Emperor's New Groove and say no touchy. It's a good policy and I live yeah. by it. It's a very good policy. No touch. No, no touchy. touchy. Almost as soon as they added the mirror to the museum, one of their patrons had a terrifying vision. After picking up the mirror and removing the cloth covering the surface, A woman who'd gazed at her own reflection said that she'd seen the image of her own decomposing corpse staring back at her. Yum! Yay! (laughs) Yeah, you know, maybe I need to see that mirror, so I like mirrors a little less when I look at them. I don't know. Or we could just switch faces. But see, I like your face, so I'd stare at that a lot, too. There's something. Maybe you need stronger glasses. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because, <laughs> like, you're very pretty. Me, not so much. I think you're gorgeous. I look like a dead thing, so I wouldn't know if I was seeing my corpse or just how I look. <laughs> in his article, Greg said that many only saw their reflections and nothing more. But many others had experiences of their own. Others, too, saw their corpses or warped faces, strange and ominous visions, and walked away with feelings of dread. He claims that one woman even spent hours trying to scrub her handprint from the surface of the mirror after she placed her palm on it and the print just stuck. Ugh. Supposedly, the print wouldn't fade until in terror and distress, she'd threatened to smash the mirror. So she's freaking out that bad. Oh, but I also can't imagine a museum sitting there going, sure, just play with this thing and scrub at it for hours on end. No touchy. This sounds like a horrible museum for people with mental illness. I'm just saying. Or like even the slightest amount of, well, anxiety is a mental illness, but you know what I mean? Like even someone who's like really mild anxiety, they're like, come in and touch all this shit. It's all haunted. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Roll the fucking dice and <laughs> see what happens. Nothing could go wrong. As time went on, reports continued to pour in, and even Greg himself felt the draw of the mirror. No big surprise. One man claimed that he'd seen a doppelganger of himself peer from behind his own reflection. Okay, no, that's, so that's the, gross. That's the most horrifying thing you've said yet. I fucking hate that. No. No, no but you. it gets worse. He didn't only see the doppelganger appear from behind himself. The thing turned around and walked away. What? In the mirror. Oh, God. Okay, oh. how about we don't see our shadow selves? Thank you. I feel like I would barf all over that mirror if I saw that. <laughs> I would just, just like, like exorcist style vomit all over it. And then you're like, <laughs> I feel better now. And you just like walk really slowly out of the traveling museum is it weird that i'm picturing it in like a bookmobile <laughs> when you <laughs> say it's like a traveling paranormal museum i'm picturing it in like a bookmobile or like someone's trailer home i think a tra- like the old school silver trailers that yeah, traveled around like that airliner or whatever they're called yeah others complain that the mirror had an electrical current running through it or that it induced headaches after touching or peering into it So people keep touching this thing. Stop touching it. I don't understand what's... Okay, just quick PSA for anyone who's ever worked anywhere with a bunch of glass surfaces. Please stop touching that shit. Someone has to clean it. And it's not (laughs) fun. No touchy. If your first instinct is to touch it, just say no. Bad things happen. Mm Mm-hmm. They should just, like, tape people's arms down by their sides, and they can just walk in and not touch anything. I feel like I'd be afraid of getting sucked into the mirror somehow. Like, it's... Like, it looks like Quicksilver, and you just get pulled in to the other side. Mm -mm. Which version of Quicksilver? Um, Evan Peters? Or... (laughs) (laughs) Terminator style. Well, now I'm just picturing, like, The Matrix. Yeah, that too. Where you touch the mirror. Because he does he gets, that, yeah. he gets all the metallic yep. stuff all over him. Yep. Just like that, and it starts to f- suck him in and freak him out. Yep. One woman even told Greg that she could feel and taste her mouth 
filling with blood after staring into it. No, 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 no. And another woman said that she'd witnessed multiple people just kind of milling around an otherwise empty room inside of the mirror. So she's standing in an empty room, but she sees people standing behind her in the mirror. Mm -mm. Following these events, Greg said that he started to notice something strange happening when the mirror was displayed in his own home. Because yes, they take these things home and they put quite a few of these artifacts in their own home. Greg, you are not smart, my dude. Greg... I am so disappointed in you. It's just something they do. They put quite a few on it. They they have plenty that they keep in their own home that don't seem to really bother anybody. They have spirits that don't really do any that don't irritate. And then they say that they bring in others. And if the spirits are too, like they don't get along well with everything else in the house, they'll have to remove them and kind of put them away in storage or something. Okay. So after he's put this thing in his house, things are getting weird. The cats wouldn't go anywhere near it when the cloth covered the mirror, but somehow the cloth kept slipping off of it. And then he would find his cats that are gazing into it curiously, almost disconnectedly. Gross. Oh my god, it stole your cat's soul. (laughs) One soul at a time. I wonder if they saw their corpses too. Little kitty corpses. He claims that he noticed that each morning the cloth would have fallen to the floor and need to be replaced, so he decided to record the mirror overnight. On three out of seven nights, he says that the cloth came off, but somehow the memory card was blank, so he'd wake up in the morning and the cloth on the floor, but there's no recording. And finally, on the last day, the memory card was corrupted, and he had no explanation for it. According to the museum's website, patrons of the museum have, quote, reported seeing themselves age, wink, smile, and even disappear during scrying sessions, though the appearance of their own corpse staring back through the reflection is the most common report. No, thank you. It even causes the other haunted objects in Greg's collection to behave strangely, reportedly causing a haunted painting to fall from a wall causing a haunted doll to entirely disappear and inciting objects which had only previously been reported as being haunted to begin to actually act haunted. I don't like this. One of my personal favorite experiences was one that was recorded on Paramania Radio. One of the hosts, Brock, looked into the mirror while live on air and what he saw was horrifying. As he gazed into the mirror, he saw his own reflection staring back, then watched as a twisted and menacing grin spread across his face. I hate it. I hate it. It's the stuff of nightmares. I can't deal with it. It's so gross. I don't want to look in a mirror now. I hate it. And that is the dark mirror. I don't like it. Now I'm going to be afraid of mirrors. God damn it. (laughs) Uh, I avoid them anyway, so nothing's really changed. You're welcome to our wonderful patrons for that all of this tonight. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from an article on housebeautiful.com called Are Antique Mirrors Evil and Creepy or Are We Just Superstitious? A page on the parrotmuseum.com website for the dark mirror and Greg Newkirk's article in Weak and Weird titled The Disturbing Case of the Dark Mirror Investigating the Haunted Objects That's Terrified Hundreds. And with that, shall we do something spooky or creepy or weird? I can do one. So when we were living in the house that we originally, we finally picked and moved into, 
when I was living in Iowa. Um, when I was around 16, um, my aunt had asked me to create a bizarre scene for her for Sunday school for this like summer camp Bible camp thing she was leading. So we had gone out to the grocery store and gotten like a big ream of like butcher paper that I had to like lay out flat on my floor and like put stuff on the corners to try to like flatten it out so I could draw on it. And so we did that before I went to bed and I laid down and I have like a, I had a ceiling fan that I would have on, but nothing that was high enough where it would like blow this paper away. Right. And it's real early in the morning. I can't tell you what time it is, but then all of a sudden I hear what sounds like little feet running back and forth across this paper. No. And so I get up thinking maybe one of the cats or one of the dogs got into the bedroom and I turn the light on. There's no prints or anything on the paper. Like nothing stepped on it. So now I'm like, okay, cool. Did I like imagine it? And then the next night after I'd like, you know, sketched out what I was going to do, it was still laying on the ground and I heard it again. But then this time there was giggling as well. Ew. That's gross. (laughs) So at this point I'm like, okay, cool. There's some ghost kids hanging out in my room. Uh That's awesome. So the third night that it was out, I was like, okay, I'm like mentally preparing myself for this because I couldn't get this damn thing done fast enough to get it out of my house. And sure as shit, I hear the running, I hear the giggling, and then I hear a large bouncy ball that had been sitting on my vanity start bouncing on the vanity. Like someone had like picked it up and dropped it on the vanity. So I sat up straight and I was like, get the fuck out of my room. And I swear to God, if you come back, I will murder you again. Like I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) And they never came back. Oh, and those poor little ghost children. Of course, we know how Ashley feels about ghost kids. Yeah. Well, I firmly maintain that that's the evilest shit on the planet. And I don't want it near me. So... Yeah, for a short short period of time, my room was haunted by ghost children. So, fuck that shit. I feel like that would be terrifying. Yep. Yep. I hate it. Yeah. I hate hate it. (laughs) All right. Someone else can go now. (laughs) Um, When I was in undergrad, I got... I got like my own printer set up because obviously I was doing like a lot of fucking writing and shit and it didn't really work out to share a printer with anybody else when you're constantly needing to print out your research and your papers and your assignments and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got this, you know, cheap shitty printer because why even bother getting an expensive one anyway? Like they don't last that long and then it does like it's not cost effective to repair them 90% of the time. They're just like, you're better off to get a new printer. Yep. But I was like, well, I'm going to get a wireless printer because I thought that was going to make my life a lot easier. Cause obviously I do 
basically everything on a laptop. That's been mm-hmm. the case like, pretty much since high school, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. So I I got a wireless one and I got it all set up and everything. And this was like an ongoing issue for probably like well over a year. But I would... So we've talked, I think, before about how dark I like it to be when I'm trying to sleep. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that's like a new thing. I didn't used to be like that. Um, I used to fall asleep. I was one of those people that falls asleep watching TV. So I would put on like a DVD of something I've seen a whole bunch of times and then set a sleep timer and I would fall asleep listening to whatever that is. And then, of course, it would shut itself off after the timer went off at which point the room would be pitch black. I'm a super light sleeper. So if anything happens in a room, once it's quiet, it's probably going to wake me up. That's why I now sleep with the sound machine on, because unless the electricity goes out or something, or it breaks, I'm hopefully going to have a little bit of a cushion there. But at the time, I didn't. I just had the TV, and once that shut off, is completely quiet. So there was a period on and off, like probably a couple times a week for at least a year after I got that printer, that I would be sleeping, and all of a sudden, the printer would just turn itself on in the middle of the night. And, like, it's one of those ones that has, like, a light-up display and stuff. So, like, not only would it make that noise that printers make when you first turn them on, Mm -hmm. but also it would light up. So it would wake me up. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't matter how, like, deep of a sleep I'm in. Like, I'm a light sleeper. It'll wake me up. So it woke me up over and over and over and over again. And every single night, I would just, like, stare at it like what the hell is going on and and eventually i would get out of bed and get up and turn it off um but this went on for like a really long time and eventually i told one of my friends about this at school and she was like why don't you just unplug the printer and then it can't turn on and i was like you don't understand if i unplug the printer and it still turns on then I have to accept then I have to accept that something really weird's going on and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to sleep in that room ever again. Yep. I was like so the only choice that I have is to leave it plugged in and just try to tell myself that it's just like a power surge or something causing it to turn on or like maybe something's bumping the power button and it's just waking up out of snooze. But it's like there was no way in hell I was turning. I was going to ever unplug that and yeah. risk it still turning on. Yeah. So the short the end result of this story is that eventually when I moved and ever since then, I will absolutely never, ever again sleep with any kind of wireless printer in my bedroom because I just feel like it's an invitation for shit to go wrong. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> that would be creepy. I feel like that would make you sit straight up out of bed because those things are loud when they turn on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was loud and super bright and I would like sit basically bolt upright in bed like with my heart pounding every single time it would happen but it's like i 
better that than it's unplugged, and now I have to accept that there's something here. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That would be really unnerving. Yeah, so it was probably... Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say I hope it was just, like, some kind of weird malfunction with that printer. But I, the only reason I can continue to cling to that is because I refuse to ever unplug it to find out <laughs> what would happen. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So I've always had, I've always, since I was a kid, had experiences. I have too many to count. But I'm going to tell you about a haunted apartment that I had, which I'm sure you guys have probably heard this story before because both of you have listened to my other podcast and I'm pretty sure I touched on it there. But early on in my relationship with my now ex-husband, we were living in an old turn-of-the-century house that had been converted into two apartments. There was the first floor and then the second floor, and then we shared the basement. The basement was a common space. And we we had one roommate. It was our close friend, and then the two of us. And we started regularly hearing a mimic. We would hear – we had, like, a little front entry. We had an outside door and then an inside door, and then, like, the little front entrance with the linoleum flooring. Mm-hmm. And we would hear the door, the inside door shut, and it would sound like boots stomping off. And then we would hear what sounded like our roommate's voice saying, I'm home. We heard this over and over again, and we just thought it was a weird thing. Even our roommate heard it, and he thought it sounded like himself talking back to him. It was pretty weird, a little creepy, a little unnerving. Lots of people stayed the night and experienced it, but it wasn't anything too crazy. And then one day... I was home alone. And at the time, we had an old Bowflex machine in the basement. So I was downstairs (laughs) in the basement, which was directly under our kitchen. And I was down there putting in a little workout, trying to get swole. You know the deal. Not, yeah, I failed. As you do. As one does. So I'm down in the basement. And as I'm doing my thing, I start to hear what sounds like high-heeled shoes walking around in the kitchen. And I thought it was really weird because, one, I'm supposed – I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. And, like, at the time, my mom would pop by, but I she couldn't get in. She didn't have a key. I couldn't imagine that she would have gotten in. I didn't leave the doors unlocked. So I go upstairs and I check. I don't see anything. And I'm thinking, gosh, I must have heard the neighbors going upstairs. Even though they had carpeted stairs, like, it must have been that I heard them. Mm-hmm. So I go back downstairs and I get back into my routine and I hear it again. And this time I'm really fucking freaked out. So I go upstairs and coming up the stairs from the basement, I open the door into the kitchen and all of the cabinet doors and the refrigerator, all every door inside was open. Ugh. And it scared the I was so fucking scared. And as I go running through the apartment, to get to the phone, because we had a house phone at the time. This was, you know, cell phones were a thing, but they weren't, I was poor. They weren't a super big thing yeah. at that time. When I was poor, I wasn't going to pay for that. Go running through the house to get the landline. And I noticed that all of the inside doors, all the closet doors, that that door that's like our mudroom door by the front door, everything is open. The exterior doors are shut, but all the inside ones were open. So I just picked up the phone 
I ran out into the backyard and I sat in the grass and I cried and I called my husband and like, you need to come home. I cannot be here alone right now because it scared the piss out of me. Everything was open. Like it's still sometimes thinking about it. It's really scary to think about. Like it didn't do anything. It didn't harm me. There weren't any scary voices, but just to come up and you know that you were only up there minutes before and see everything open like yeah, that. That just sounds terrifying. When you're supposed to be home alone, it's one of the most terrifying experiences I think I've ever had in terms of interactions with spirits. So that was my haunted apartment. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember that story from Drink Drunk Dead because I was like, I would burn that place to the ground. <laughs> it was, uh, I just sat back there just crying and crying. I remember it being a really sunny day. Thankfully, it was nice out, but I just sat in the grass and cried for like an hour until he came home. <sighs> That's terrifying. Yeah. That was not fun. I have many fun hauntings. That was not one of them. Yeah. And on that super fun and spooky note (laughs) i'm gonna read a very brief but good review from a very satisfied customer and this is coming to us from casey on pod chaser casey says don't be pizza adjacent be pizza get some fresh never stale tales on mythology ancient and current you should listen thank you thank you short but sweet says it all just like pineapple pizza. I was gonna say we're <laughs> just <not>. like you. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my mirror? I agree. Shots fired. Here's your step stool. Emily's, oh, like, <laughs> Emily's like, I agree, I am stunning. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> Marvelous, really. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> okay. Everybody's gonna think I'm such an asshole. <laughs> Friends aren't friends if they don't make fun of you. That's the rule. This is true. (laughs) Well, I think it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of our darkest fears. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Spooky and chilling. Not everyone understands our ghoulishness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineappappizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels, and just remember, no matter how you slice it, 
you're awesome. And we love you.